A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by TriVegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Lit Yoga podcast which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with friends and I have a new friend that I was introduced to. Dana Hutchinson is a medical and Chinese herbalist, flower essence practitioner, and is located in Denver, Colorado. I'm so excited to talk with her today. Welcome, Dana. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, first of all, I always like to know why people end up in the profession they're in. And yours in particular is such a interesting, non-traditional version of a medical practice. So I'm sure there is a great backstory to it. So can you talk us through how you became this super interesting professor of your medicine? Yeah, so it's a question I get asked a lot. And you know, the long and short of it, Long and short of it, it really is that, you know, I was dealing with my own health issues about eight years ago. So a chronic autoimmune condition called lichen sclerosis. And I had been treated from the Western world and that was not helping me. It was actually making things quite worse. Um, So that combined with a whole heap of anxiety and stress from my mother's terminal brain cancer diagnosis, I basically was at a loss. So I found myself looking into other modalities of healing. So were there other ways that I could really, you know, find the root cause of my condition, start to nourish my central nervous system and just kind of begin more of a healing modality internally. And I basically was living in Sydney, Australia and came across a traditional Chinese medicine doctor, a hole in the wall practice really just kind of sparked my attention. And I went in there and began being treated. And this practitioner wasn't concerned about any symptom of my condition. He wasn't concerned about you know what it was called. He was really looking at the signs and symptoms of my body, which was the first time I had ever had someone assess my pulse, 
look at my tongue or, you know, examine the vitality of my skin. And so, you know, he basically told me your immune system shot, your central nervous system is basically non-existent. And if we can't fix those, then none of these other symptoms that you call it are ever really going to go away. And so that was, you know, I was infatuated. That was my first introduction to that new sort of healing modality of really assessing the root cause of every single condition. So what is the name of the diagnosis you said again? So it's called lichen sclerosis. And what were what were the symptoms that brought you to uh, a doctor in the first place? Yeah, so it's actually, it's a pretty intense autoimmune condition. It actually affects the vulval region of females, particularly or female-bodied individuals. And basically, it can appear in fusions, in cuts, scrapes, just very painful conditions. And I was unable to walk for about a month and shower. Daily tasks were just pretty much impossible for me, let alone trying to balance a relationship. So it's a pretty debilitating condition. And most females who are treated with steroids often end up much worse off than obviously treating the root cause with herbal medicine, I found out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And isn't that interesting that, yeah, the, the way of treating you was not at all like asking about your diagnosis, but actually looking at like the, the underlying, like what was underneath the table, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Just through, you know, TCM vital diagnostics, it's called, he was able to basically create a comprehensive protocol without even really needing to know my condition or my diagnosis. And what was the protocol? Was it acupuncture? Was it herbs? Was it a combination? Yeah. So his particular initial protocol was just Chinese herbs. So it was a couple modalities of stress reduction, of course, and just trying to really get my system to calm down. Um, specifically because it was an autoimmune condition. I had quite a bit of inflammation internally. So I was on quite a bit of herbal formulas at that time. Now, when since this was new to you, was it daunting to think about, you know, when something works, you, you obviously subscribe to it and you subscribe to it so much that you then wanted it to be your profession. But this is like a new language, was it daunting to like think about I'm going to learn this this Eastern um, Chinese medicine approach and on top of that the prescribed herbs like what the heck are these were <laughs> these are was it completely like did it at all was it feel like a roadblock at all just because of that so I I always grew up in more of a health conscious family I mean I I was an athlete my whole life and so I think you know, diving into different health modalities came kind of like second nature to me, just wanting to learn more and always being just eager to really just take that, whatever I was interested in to the next step. So I think, you know, once I started to see improvements in my own condition through this modality, I was just so infatuated. I I just couldn't believe that this wasn't more mainstream knowledge. And so I think with that, I was kind of committed to really making that my life goal is, you know, if I had been in such a place of absolute depression and inability to really do simple tasks from an autoimmune condition, there must be thousands of other people out there dealing with things that are just as similar. And so, you know, that was really where I thought, okay, let's, you know, find out what we need for certifications, for degrees, for practicums, apprenticeships to, you know, really ready myself to get to a place where, 
I am in this chair and I am able to help people with chronic health conditions. So that really sparked that whole just, I guess, discovery of how to get there. And where did you decide to go and and get the credentials that you needed? Yeah, definitely. So it has been, I I have been a student for life, just to put it out there. And I think I always will be. I think there's always new things to learn, new clinical evidence and trials and research that comes out. But, you know, my first stepping stones were really with the Institute of Chinese Herbology. So it's a three-year certification program to be a clinical Chinese herbalist. So that's really kind of where I started, you know, along those lines. I also did do a yoga certification just to more so for my health, my own health to really just balance myself out, learn more about that modality. I did a Reiki certification. So I am a level three there. So that just kind of tied in with more energetic modalities. And then I finished a three-year certification at the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism, which is a clinical training school of learning how to formulate all these beautiful things behind me, which are herbs for all you who can't see that, um, into healing modalities for other individuals. That is incredible. Yeah, that was the main herbal training. And then I've done a flower essence certification and quite a few advanced models um, at the North American Institute of Medical Herbalism as well. Wow, you have quite a lot in your your toolkit. So uh, before we get into some more like suggestions for people, when someone is interested in getting a treatment from you, uh, first of all, is it covered by insurance yet? It is not, unfortunately. I know that's too bad, right? It's like here is, because here's the thing, people, I don't know. I mean, that I, I don't think this is widely known that, you know, our medicine that we use here in the United States and, and in the Western world is formulated from a, a something that was e- either the actual herb itself or a synthetic version of it. And so, you know, we've gotten our information from um, years and years of assimilating uh, past and present usage in primitive cultures around the world. And it is amazing that we don't go to that more often because that's like going right to the actual source. And it, 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 should, be, it should be covered by insurance. But I would say that I'll tell you a little bit about my own story. That is because I come from both Western, really a strong background in Western medicine. My my father was a surgeon. One of my brothers is a doctor. My other brother's a PT. I'm a T- PT, but um, really enjoying learning things from academic and research, but also super appreciating all the anecdotal medicine that is gathered from you know the thousands of years of watching different cultures treat maladies. And so I was diagnosed with a thyroid disease. I'm a triplet. My Two of my brothers, my, they're identical. They had been diagnosed with Hashimoto's very early on. And so I'd been kind of observed and my, my numbers were watched over the years because it is so uh, genetic and other people in my family had, had it as well. So lo and behold, Maybe 10 years after my brothers were diagnosed, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease. And I didn't have any major symptoms. I had a little bit of heart palpitations and some tremoring in my legs. And But my numbers were not great. And my primary said, you need to go see an endocrinologist to see what you can do. So I went to the endocrinologist and he just was like, you know, here's your options. Take antithyroid medicine 
Um, after about a year, it loses its efficacy and it can really do a number on your liver. Or you can, you know, swallow radioactive iodine and then we'll just get you on thyroid medicine the rest of your life. That's really the best choice because it's great to, you know, do this. And he goes, the only, you know, the only caveat is you have to go away for a week and you can't be around your kids. They were really young at the time. And, you know, you don't want to be around them because you're radioactive. And I was like, well, wait, (laughs) I don't want to be around my kids, but how about me? Like this, I said, I said to him, I was like, this sounds pretty radical, like pretty dramatic. And he's like, oh no, it's done all the time. So I'm happy that I'm a critical thinker. And I didn't just take that at face value as my only option. So I started investigating because I'd always believed in herbs and herbalist and alchemist, you might've heard of them, is a provider and, and they have really, you know, I really love their stuff. And I looked up bugleweed as a great, as an herb for balancing out the thyroid and had been used for a long time. So I started using a tincture of that and I'm not kidding. I used it. I didn't even use it very well. Like I wasn't very consistent. I used it for probably um, maybe a month. And I also was doing, I went to get acupuncture and it was with a traditional Chinese medical doctor. He spoke no English. So he probably didn't really care about my diagnosis, but it was interesting, right? He literally is doing all this stuff. So I don't know which of the two or the two combined, who knows, but um, lo and behold, you know, 10 months later, I was declared, you know, cured. I was in the 2% that just no longer has the marker for Graves. My thyroid numbers were normal. And I said to the doctor, I said, well, you know, I did these things that, and he's like, no, no, we don't know why, but 2% just, so it was so upset because it was like, I'm not, I can't, obviously that's cause and effect. I can't totally know for sure, but it makes sense that I didn't go the route. He said, I instead did herbs and I'm, you know, my, my thyroid's fine because what I did know is that I had some huge stressors at the time and those stressors, and this is so true with a lot, and I'd like you to speak to this for people when they are diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, don't just go and, you know, get depressed about it and think there is only the answers to some of these really, really, uh, strong medicines with side effects that are not great. Uh, because it is the autoimmune disease is really when your body is is attacking itself, but there are underlying reasons. So can you speak to that a little? Because I had some stress in my life at the time. Uh, in-laws were moving close by. One of my in-laws was very, very sick. I didn't get along with the other in-law. And, you know, it's just like I, I was holding that in because I had to, you know, we had to deal with that. We were building a house, a good stress, but stress nonetheless. And so that was when my thyroid underlying stuff came out. So can you talk a little bit about the autoimmune disease world and how herbs can help and how, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's a huge topic. And, you know, I, as a practitioner who treats autoimmunity and, you know, I see this every day, I see all types of autoimmune conditions and more and more seem to be coming to fruition pretty much monthly at this rate. You know, and I I really think as a society, I think we are in an autoimmune epidemic. You know, I really do. I think in the next five to 10 years, I think most people will suffer from autoimmunity. And I think the reason for that is quite vast. You know, I think there's always going to be the genetic debate. I think there's always going to be the stress debate. There's going to be the food intolerance debate, the environmental toxins. You know, there's a couple main triggers that we typically look at when we're assessing a client firstly, but 
you know, I think mainly with stress, I think stress is a huge, huge reason for why sometimes the T cells in our system can become dysregulated and start to tag certain things that might be self tissue or, you know, might be something that doesn't need to initiate that hypersensitivity reaction, which can cause an autoimmune flare. You know, and so that's what's actually happening is there's a dysregulation between not only our stress system, which is our HPA and SAS axis, and also the T cells, which go around our systems and are supposed to tag things that aren't supposed to be there. So there's two dysregulations happening with an autoimmune condition from the Western perspective. And, you know, from the Chinese perspective, we always look at an autoimmune client specifically and say, okay, so the Shen or the heart is what really holds the emotions. So obviously we have a dysregulation of the Shen spirit. Firstly, you know, secondly, we're looking at, okay, well, what is this person's stress or anxiety really stemming from? You know, if we're having things like anger, we're typically looking at the liver. If we're having worry, we're typically looking at the kidneys. You know, if we're having grief or, you know, emotional trauma outbreaks, we're typically looking at the lungs. You know, so it's really assessing well, how is the stress showing up for this particular client? And really starting with that before even looking at the autoimmune diagnosis, you know, and the, the problem with society today, unfortunately, is that, you know, specifically in America, a lot of my clients, coworkers, friends, we're in a society that doesn't allow us to relax. You know, it's the society that wants you to keep going. And if you say no, someone will take your job at half the price. You know, it's, it's just this society that I think really evokes anxiety and stress. I think we're in a culture where everyone pretty much has some levels of anxiety and stress. So it's really looking at, okay, if that's going to stay there, how do we improve the adaptation to those stresses, to those triggers? And that's really how we begin to kind of assess stress with an autoimmune client in the clinic. So for people who are not dealing with an autoimmune condition, how do you suggest they manage stress? What are some techniques, both from the Chinese medicine perspective of like maybe acupuncture, breath, other qigong, um, and then also from the herbalist standpoint? Yeah, I think in terms of lifetime or lifestyle recommendations, you know, we always recommend things like yoga, of course, you know, just to really begin again to restore the central nervous system. You know, a lot of people as, you know, you're an expert in this, don't breathe throughout the day. You know, they're sitting like this, even they come in and you can see their shoulders are just raised to their ears. And, you know, we got to get that down before we can even start with any herbs, you know, so really assessing the vitality of the client and vitalism is probably our first step for someone who's not dealing with an autoimmune condition. So, you know, herbs are often fourth on our list. You know, we're looking at the person's sleep cycles. We're looking at their diet. We're looking at their anxiety and stress and what that presents as, you know, so things that would be included in that category would be, you know, reducing their glycemic index in terms of food or looking at their sleep cycles and trying to get them to nine hours instead of six hours, you know, so just very basic lifestyle changes we normally start with. Supplementation as well. You know, a lot of the clients who come in here who have stress and anxiety are completely magnesium and vitamin D deficient right off the bat, you know, and that's, 
a couple arguments could be at play there, but you know, the food we're eating, there's that argument. We're not composting our food. We're not getting the nutrients out of our food like we used to. So most people are nutritionally deplete. You know, so starting with modalities like that, just getting the client to really return back to a state of vitality often then will prescribe the herbs and they will do so much more on the slate that's more clean like that. Now, do you have herbs in particular that address the microbiome and healthier or unhealthier? I know that's also a a big and I don't want to say trendy, but a growing uh, huge amount of literature now and research has been dedicated to improving gut biome and the effect of the gut biome the ecosystem there on the rest, the nervous system, the uh, vitality in the brain, you know, how how well you feel, whether you're foggy or depressed, a lot of it could be attributed to imbalance in the gut biome. Definitely. And, and I know that that is a big buzzword now. We're hearing leaky gut, you know, we're hearing SIBO, we're hearing all these things that stem from gut bacteria and maybe a potential dysregulation there. And you know, one thing we absolutely do for almost every client that walks in the door is begin to heal the gut, you know, and it's so imperative because if you have a gut membrane that has holes or is termed leaky, you're then seeing a system where toxins are able to freely flow through the gut membranes to the bloodstream. And then that's where you see dysregulation of an autoimmune condition or something where inflammation is starting. You know, so if you can heal those holes as we term them to be more of a mucus secreting membrane like it's supposed to be, and it's smaller in terms of the holes in the system, then we're seeing a more highly functional individual and thus better digestion, better absorption, transportation. The whole system improves once you begin to heal the gut. And, you know, herbs that we typically use for that are vast, of course, but for people to start, you know, herbs that are pretty safety class A, interaction class one, which means most individuals could take these, would be herbs like plantain. So that's plantago. You know, calendula is a fantastic herb that we call a vulnerary herb that helps to heal the gut membranes. You know, matricaria, which is just your simple, um, simple chamomile, which everyone has pretty much tried before. You know, that's another great herb that's fantastic for the gut. You know, herbs that are a little bit more stimulating would be like taraxacum, dandelion root, or arctium, which would be burdock. So those are, again, some 101 level herbs that a lot of people have access to that are just a great start for beginning to start to heal that GI membrane, which most individuals, especially in this society, have issues with. Yes, my my daughter just got her gut biome looked at in, in, in detail. Uh, just for a variety of reasons, she was having some just both fatigue, stress, um, stomach, you know, uh, gas type stuff. And like what came back was crazy. First of all, she was she is positive for H. pylori, which um, is a back for those of you who don't know. And I'm I'm saying like the minimal amount that I really know about it is it's a bacteria that is pretty common, but over time can really do a lot of damage. It's going to eat up all the good bacteria or a lot of the good bacteria. Uh, you can get it. Um, it's it's pretty transmissible through uh, food and water. And so we have traveled a lot. And it's, I mean, we, we could she could have gotten it here in the United States, but it's much more common in some other um, countries. So, you know, she's 
And because of that, there is a lot of skewed stuff with like some of her really good bacteria was like almost non-existent. So it was, it was, it was, she was on a 10 week protocol of just a lot of balancing of that. She could have been treated with just regular medicine um, and it wouldn't have tackled this, all those different like fine tuning elements. And I'm just so grateful that my, my doctor is a very integrative approach. If anybody's interested in New Jersey, Dr. Julie Pantelik, I'm not getting paid for that. I adore her, like worship her. And she's my doctor. And I took Olivia, my daughter to her, Dr. Julie Pantelik. So not to treat it like a drive-by, but let's say somebody is visiting Denver for the day and they hear about you. And it's like, they live in the middle of nowhere where there's no herbs. And they, they, they're saying, you know, like I have low energy and I just feel like I, by 2 PM, I'm just like drained my stomach. I have digestive stomach issues. I don't really have time for a full workup. What could you do for me? Uh, what, what besides any of the herbs that you mention for like energy and, uh, vitality of the stomach, anything else? Yeah. I mean, we have heaps of protocols depending on the client. And of course, you know, anyone who would come by, we'd always do a TCM vital assessment. So we would always check the client's pulse, look at their tongue, evaluate their skin and look at their nails as a first and foremost practice. Just Okay. Can you stop right there and tell us like, what do you see in the tongue and nails when it's off? <laughs> yeah. So there's there's typically 38 pulses that a practitioner is trained to feel. So there's quite a lot and it is a lifelong practice. You just get better and better with the more clientele that you get to assess. But typically, you know, with the tongue, that's, that's an easier one for people to grasp onto. So we're typically looking for, you know, is the tongue swollen? You know, and if it is, are there scallops on the side of the tongue indicating there might be an internal dampness? You know, we're looking at the color of the tongue to look at the vitality of the client. A lot of times we see, specifically in Colorado, we see more of a deficient type of client because it's so dry here. So typically that correlates with blood deficiency and we'll be seeing a pale tongue. And so that would indicate to us, okay, we need to build and vitalize the blood for this client, which typically goes hand in hand with the liver needing a bit of nourishment. Sometimes we can see cracks on the tongue, so there can be long center cracks on someone's tongue that almost looks like a valley that indicates severe emotional trauma or grief. And, you know, there's other things that we look for, like small little papillae that can be red bumps on the tongue that can indicate that there is a congestion in terms of food, meaning that the client isn't able to properly transform the food into energy. So there's, those are some of the main ones we look at for the tongue, which can be pretty fascinating. And, you know, we encourage our clients once they come in for their intakes to, you know, look at your own vitality of your tongue. Check yourself. You know, is your fur consistency yellow, indicating heat? Is it more white, indicating a deficiency? You know, and what's the buildup there? Are you getting thick yellow sputum every morning? If so, you know, we need to, we need to clear that heat out. There's something that's happening internally that we definitely need to clear. You know, so we, we do help clients look at their own tongues. And in terms of the pulse, you know, that's a little bit more advanced, but we're definitely looking for blood flow. You know, we're looking to see if the flow is wiry, if it's deficient. You know, we're counting their oxygen pulses. We're seeing if, you know, the stomach is bounding. And if it is, did they just eat? 
you know, it shouldn't be too, it shouldn't be too bounding, but it shouldn't be too deficient. So it's really looking at where is their normal and where are areas in the pulse that what organs really need attention. Okay. Two question. What does bounding mean? So bounding is a, it's a TCM term where you can kind of think of it as the pulse is almost surging. So right. it's each beat that you're feeling, it's almost like vroom, vroom. And so that's, it's hard to describe pulses in real right, words. Right. But that was good. <laughs> yeah. It means it's, it's in overdrive. So it's working mm-hmm. typical pulse positions that we feel that are bounding are usually the stomach pulse and the liver pulse. So the liver is, of course, just trying to detoxify not just alcohol, but the environmental toxins, you know, our stress. The liver still has to detoxify everything that happens negatively to our body with stress. So often a lot of people's liver pulses are just completely in overdrive. Mm. So my other question is, uh, what do you feel about tongue cleaning, like tongue scraping? Great, great question. So I get this a lot. And I think, you know, there is a fine line between over brushing your tongue and under brushing your tongue. I think people should definitely, you know, lightly scrub the tongue every day. And I mean lightly, because the fur we want on the tongue, that's a lot of people don't think fur is a good thing. So that's just a little consistency that's on top of everyone's tongue. Fur in Chinese medicine actually indicates vitality. And the way we describe it to our clients is, you know, the grass is really the fur and the tongue is the soil. So you Mm. shouldn't be able to just scrape the fur off completely. It should be a little bit hard because it has integrity. So if there's fur, there's integrity, which means there's vitality. So we don't want to scrub off all that fur. It's just going to be harder for the body to reproduce that good bacteria again. So it's actually a good thing to have fur on the tongue. So like brushing with a toothbrush is better than a scraping maybe? So if you do this, the tongue scraper, you just do it very lightly. So okay. I think it should really come with a manual, <laughs> but it doesn't. Um, yeah, I've seen people like going full on, like trying to get all that stuff off. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And you know, because I think there's been quite a few articles that are like, you know, clean your tongue and have great breath and <laughs> all the stuff that we get exposed to. But, you know, we really do want a level of fur on the tongue. So fur is good. Okay. Good to know. I'd never heard of fur. Okay. The other thing is the nails. What would be like really indicative of, of imbalance when you look at someone's nails? Yeah. Great question. So the nails is probably the third on the list in terms of our assessment. So we definitely just use that to kind of just see if there's any nutritional deficiencies. So Mm -hmm. that would be like white marks on the nails. It's very common. And a lot of people have little white indentations. So that typically indicates there's a zinc or magnesium deficiency right off the bat. The other thing we're looking for in the nails is the half moons. So that's the little circles that grow from the nail bed. So they kind of look like little, little half moons, really. And so in TCM, we want those to be about a fourth of the nail. And what, what that's really indicating is your digestive agony. So your digestive fire is shown in the half moons of your nails. So we often tell clients, you know, three months from now, we want to see those a little bit larger. So keep looking. And that's going to indicate that your digestive fire is a lot stronger, meaning you're able to better take the nutrients out of the food that you're putting in your body. Okay. Piggybacking on that, um, how do you get the agni going? <laughs> 
I know I'm asked, you're like, there's thousands of ways of doing that. Yeah. And each yeah. client responds to different herbs. And of course, depending on constitution, we would formulate a customized formula for that person. But you know, that really starts with healing the liver and healing the gut. So typically you'd get a liver formula that would typically be in a tincture format normally to clear the heat that really helps with digestion as well. And then going back to those gut healing formulas. So that would either be in a tea infusion or in a decoction, which would be Chinese medicine style. Some herbs that would help with that would be things like Codenopsis. So that's Ding Shen, Dan Shen, which is Chinese salvia is really great for that. Chai Hu Blooperum, that's another great herb that's just a standard for gentlemen type herb in a lot of decoctions that we use. And also we have some spleen draining herbs. So that would be things like citrus peel, which a lot of people aren't aware is a huge potent herb and that's Chen Pi. That's a lovely herb that we use for that. Um, other herbs that would be great would be Fo Tea. So that's Polygonum. That's a really fantastic herb just for GI strength and overall vitality to help just with overall agony. Um, stimulation and also Romania. So Romania glutinisa, that's another really crazy root that's used for all types of women's gynecological issues, but also to just help really overall vitality, which has an affinity on the GI system. So these are amazing to hear about. Now, can you speak a little bit to uh, people looking up stuff on the internet and buying different versions and concoctions because we know that there's lots of, I don't want to say knockoffs. I'm sure they're just variations, but I'm they're, they're blends. What What is the benefit to coming to someone like you? I mean, we know it, but I'd like you just to speak to it so that it really reinforces, like, please don't just buy these things willy-nilly. There's, they should go, we should be going to the source. Am I correct? Or is there a place online that you could recommend? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, that's a great question. I think it depends on what people are looking for. You know, I think coming to a trained clinical herbalist, you're really going to get customized herbal protocols, you know, and that's something that obviously the mainstream herbal products lacks. You know, you don't know the client's history. You don't know their genetic history. You don't know what medications they're on. If they're pregnant, they have an underlying heart condition, you know, in the USA specifically, so many people are on countless medications. That's a huge risk right there. You know, herbal medicine is, in my opinion, stronger than pharmaceuticals. I truly believe that. And so I think, you know, a lot of the stuff on that you can find in, you know, natural grocery stores is great. Of course, the access is there, but you also have to look at the extraction rate, you know, and so a lot of tinctures that are on grocery store shelves, their, their extraction rate is about a one to 12 which means it's very low potency. So tinctures that you would get through a clinical apothecary are going to be about a one to two or one to three extraction rate because they're done in-house. They're done in the commercial kitchens here. You know, so that's another thing just for people out there. And of course, it's your decision where you would like to get your herbs. But, you know, for me, I'd want to know the sourcing. I'd want to know where it's wildcrafted. I would want to know how it is extracted and really just if those herbs are vital. You know, clients come in here and they see our herbs. You know, I, I show them. I'm like, this is where we get our stuff. This is how we make it. And I think that just gives clients really a sense of ease. That this, the things they're putting in their body is organic. It's tested. It's wildcrafted. And the extraction rate is potent. You know, so we're going to look for results in, in about two weeks time. 
you know, that's what we're really looking for. And I just don't think you get the potency and the customization that you get with herbal products that are located in grocery stores or online. I mean, online is even is even harder to tell, you know, what's actually inside of those tinctures because it's an unregulated industry. You know, we have to remember that is that really, you know, in the state of Colorado, NDs have the same prescribing power as herbalists. You know, so we are not medical doctors. And thus, you can get a lot of people who have very limited training who are producing products. And, you know, that's the access, that's great, but that's also comes with a lot of cons. You need to be careful because really anyone can call themselves an herbalist. And, you know, our training and certifications, I, you know, we're proud of because we're able to really harness a lot of the, you know, seven years of education that we've done and hopefully give clients more reassurance that everything we do is done with the intentions and the integrity built on the education that we have. I think this is so important, Dana, for people to know, because there is, like you said, it's wonderful to have access to just type in to Google or Amazon, blah, 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 but it isn't the same. It isn't. And um, we need to be careful. And, and, and essentially your your dollars are going to go a lot farther in, in getting the real stuff that is potent and that is blended in-house. Yeah. And I think the other thing backing on that is, you know, with so much access to information these days is it's, you know, it's a curse because if you want to find 10 people who've thrived on a vegan diet, you can find it. If you want to find 10 people who've passed away from a vegan diet, you can find it. You know, and so I think the access to information is we're in an overloaded state. So I often get a lot of clients who come in and they say, oh, well, you know, I had, I had a, issue with my estrogen. So I Googled something and now I'm taking Vitex Chaseberry and I'm taking that every day. And it's like, oh my gosh, no, that is a very strong herb used for acute use and should be used with extreme caution. You know, so I think this access to herbs, which is also great, like I've mentioned, needs to be taken with a grain of salt because you can't just take kava for anxiety. You know, you can't just Google St. John's war and, and see that it's great for depression and take that, you know, it's a very serious herb. And so I think the issue with that is that we have a lot of bloggers and content creators that are putting up these articles about herbs, which again, great that there's light on the herbal industry, but you have to be really careful with dosage. I mean, that's the difference between life and death as we know it, you know, water can be, can be considered a drug if you drink too much, you know? So I think, it's really just educating ourselves that this industry, it is a medical profession, in my opinion. You know, yes, we're not licensed, but what we're doing is completely in the same regard of assessing a client, except we're doing it for an hour and a half as opposed to about five minutes in a PCP office. You know, so if anything, I think we're giving our clients way more attention and customized medical care. Absolutely. I, I love that this is available and I'm going to ask you in a minute where everybody can find you. But before I ask that, I would like to know, it doesn't have to be a hard number, but what, where do most of the herbs come from? I, I know obviously the rainforest has a huge amount of herbs, but is that is that where most of them come from or can you grow them locally? Wow. Yes. That's a great question. So we, we work with four farmers that are in Longmont and Boulder area, and they grow a variety of different herbs that do thrive in Colorado. We also get some of our herbs from Portland. So some herbs just 
in the Pacific Northwest thrive. So a lot of our mosses, kelps, and things like that. And our Chinese herbs, we have one location out in Sacramento that does cultivate Chinese herbs. And we have one farm that we use that's actually in China that's certified organic. It's very important for Chinese herbs. And so we do import those mushrooms, roots, and barks from China. But we're very confident with our supplier there that they have taken all the precautions and we're really happy with those types of herbs. So it's really, it's really a mix. You know, there's a lot of great farmers that we use that have, you know, grown herbs for 10, 20 years and their quality is amazing. They're composting the earth and they're doing it exactly how we like to see it. You know, of course, when we have time, uh, myself and a couple of our contract herbalists will go out into the fields and we'll wildcraft our own medicine. So we wildcraft about 20 to 25 of the herbs here. We dry them and we, yeah, we harvest them out just in the wilderness and use them as medicine here. That's incredible. So I could just keep talking to you on and on. We'll have to have you back for more questions, but thank you for your time. And how can everyone find you in Denver and online? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we we do both phone and in-person consultations. It's about 50-50. So we have clients all over the US. Um, so you can find us on just our Wild Wildflower Clinic website. So that's just www.wildflowerclinic.com. We're also on Instagram. So that's just at Wildflower Clinic. And you know, personal number is just 949. 949- Two nine zero zero eight eight three. I do do free consultations for 10 minutes if people have questions about what an herbal protocol or seeing an herbalist would even look like. So yeah, I'd be happy to answer any questions or you know talk about a certain condition and see what an herbal protocol longevity-wise would look like. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for your time and your... I, I'm just fascinated by this all and I hope every all of the listeners here gain some extra respect for this field really it's it's fabulous so thank you thank you and for all you listeners as always i'm pulling for you deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.